You're listening to Episcopal Youth Ministry in ATL. Hello and welcome to Episcopal Youth Ministry in ATL. I'm here with Wallace and we are here with Bronwyn. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How has your uh, time in Atlanta been here at Rooted in Jesus? You asked me at a good time because I just finished (laughs) facilitating a panel of exemplary youth ministers who were offering their wisdom uh, to a room full of curious folks, Mm. and it went really, really well. And I'm very pleased that we had a full room and um, space. That was not my noise. That was uh, my friend Wallace. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, we, we were really talking about in youth ministry how to empower young people for whatever vocation they may have the gifts and the passion for uh, as part of what we need to be doing as youth ministers. And listening to Myra Garns from Long Island, Chad Sanuda from Chicago, and Luz Montes from Texas uh, share some very different ministry contexts and um, and wisdom and learning and humor that was self-deprecating and those stories of of epic failure that's always a learning with youth ministry so i'm feeling very full in my heart uh right now and the atlanta gathering in general has been amazing i love when we have this kind of um, intersection or cross hybridization of passion and discipline and vocation all in one place at one time so glad to be here and your hospitality has been outstanding i would definitely say the energy has just been it's you know, I have enjoyed going to Forma in the past, and this has been, like, extra amounts of energy. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with you. It's just been exciting. Um, even though I've, I haven't really been able to sit in any of the sessions yet because of different things, uh, it's still been very enjoyable. And it's always good to see old friends. and The uh, networking is great. And, and that whole thing of being able to reconnect with people who you haven't seen in a while. Last night I was sitting in a restaurant, and I had just been talking about how I had learned from my predecessor, Betsy Boyd, about really um, – being a fierce advocate for inclusion, and that is one of the things that I learned from Betsy. And she walked in the restaurant door with Sandra Montes. Small world. I was just like, Betsy. So that was, what an unanticipated moment at at, uh, Rooted in Jesus. Definitely. So we wanted to have you in uh, to talk about what's going on in the denominational church. Um, We know EYE is coming up, so we wanted to give you the chance and the time and the platform to talk more about that. Wonderful, thank you. So the Episcopal Youth Event, known as EYE, we don't call it I. Yeah. I can always tell <laughs> who, who has familiarity in the church and who doesn't. And in I don't want to. Twenty twenty. Right, right. So um, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's not lost on us either. But uh, EYE is mandated by the General Convention through resolution in 1982 that a gathering for an international gathering for. Uh, high school-aged young people happen at least once every three years. And so this is the, the continued um, fulfilling of that mandate. And we have the opportunity uh, at this EYE uh, to try and be even more inclusive than we have been in the past. Uh, the opportunity of having a digital footprint and digital means of communication has really opened up our ability to share the word of EYE without having the constriction of a bottleneck of human beings in offices in places, which both complicates the a big event as well as makes it easier in some aspects. So at this EYE, the... Um, the team of young people discerned that the theme for EYE is Unite, 
Unanimos, and they are working very hard. They'll be meeting here in Atlanta next week uh, for their second time to continue the planning for the content of the event. And we have three different teams that work on the content, uh, one that specializes on designing all of the liturgy, another team that works on program, which means our, our plenary keynote sessions for the large group gathered as well as workshop sessions for um, the gathering, and a hospitality team that really interfaces with the local diocese that are uh, our host location. And they're all working hard, and there will be a lot more news about the content of EYE after that February meeting. Uh, for right now, the most important points are that registration is currently <laughs> open for diocese to register with a diocesan registrar that is a bishop-approved uh, formal program of each individual diocese. EYE will be happening July 7th to the 11th. It's in my Google Calendar, so... It will be Must at be. the University of Maryland in the Diocese of Washington. We, unlike the last two EYEs, will not be going on a bus field trip during EYE. Uh, the logistical complications and expense have um, caused us to exercise different opportunities on campus for the entire program days. So this EYE is very different from the last couple in that when you arrive for registration on the 7th, you can dump your stuff, register, and go, and go adventure mm. okay. in Washington, D.C. with your group because we are not offering any included meals. Uh, there will be options for purchasing food on campus and so on and so forth, but that's the piece. Um, there's always this delicate balance of people who have been to EYE before are sure they know how it goes. And then there are people who have never experienced the event before and, and don't know how to plan for and anticipate. And so no matter how much we communicate, we're never fulfilling every curiosity. Yeah. And so I welcome email and questions about EYE as people are discerning their registration. And one last tag of that is on Monday the 27th, we will open registration to everyone. Yeah. And that means that if you are uh, a group that is in a diocese that does not have the capacity to organize an official diocesan delegation, you may self-organize as long as you meet the requirements for safeguarding guidelines for chaperones and so forth and organize to bring your own group. A camper conference center could organize a group and we will have some um, ecumenical guests and Anglican church guests at this EYE as well and they'll begin registering on the 27th. We'll close registration on March 15th or when we are full on campus depending on which happens first. Yeah. So yes we still have plenty of space right now but we encourage you to get your act together. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, I remember going to Berea so many years ago. Kentucky, yeah. yeah. And and then, you know, having like a notion, okay, so this is what EYE was when I went uh, right. in what, 2006 or 2005. Five. Yeah, Berea was 2005. Thank you for now, uh, you know. How old you are. <laughs> and bringing me back a little bit. And and then going to Oklahoma uh, three years ago. And, and so sitting there and kind of, I guess, even on the plane to Oklahoma having like, all right, so this is what my EYE experiences was, and this is what we did, this is what it looked like. And then landing, you know, t taking a, getting on a bus, heading out to, uh, heading up to Central. Edmond. Edmond, yeah, Edmond, Oklahoma. And then s different things started happening, and I was like, this is not what I remember. But also, uh, it obviously wasn't, 
I think I then said like, oh, but my youth are having a blast and then I'm here for them. So really like, this is great. <laughs> it um, changes over time. But I really like that. I like that it, uh, that it has a, it has had a growth and development of itself. And that I think that that's really, that's been, that was really beneficial to see. Um, I'm kind of mad that I missed, that I wasn't able to attend other ones and, and be able to witness that. But at the same time, uh, it's nice to come back and still be, uh, be blown away. Uh, so I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for what DC looks like and, yeah. uh, and how that flows. And especially uh, my wife's youth is, is on the planning team. And so I'm excited to see, uh, see his growth and development in that as well. Uh, so now he's my youth. I know, oh, gosh, that's my guy. only youth group. I don't, do, <laughs> I, I don't have the, the blessing of, of a local youth ministry any longer. Yeah. And so I really do um, lay a little bit of claim and share a little <laughs> bit of pride for all of the young people who have been on uh, EYE planning teams yeah. with me as well as general convention official youth presence folks. And it is so awesome to see them bloom and grow and take their place in leadership across the church. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what do you think the, the role of EYE in the denominational church is? currently because is it like hey let's all just get together and look at all these cool numbers um, or is there something deeper going on absolutely something deeper going on uh, the the initial resolution has some sort of language about capturing the energy mm. of young people and EYE has absolutely evolved over time in what its goal and mission is the piece that remains constant with EYE is that it is typically uh, not exclusively, but typically the first experience that a teenager has of church outside of their own local place so that they can actually imagine being someplace other their, than their home parish or their diocesan convention if that is their tradition or their camp. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Often we have folks at EYE who have literally never met other Episcopalians than those who they grew up with mm -hmm. in their home parish. And so a lot of folks are in somewhat uh, mono-ethnic, mono-cultural settings in yes. their churches. And so EYE's diversity, depth, breadth of human beings, styles of worship, uh, Accents, Minnesota accent, <laughs> combined with my good friend Cookie Cantwell from the South. And it's just, it tickles me to see young people realize that their church that they've experienced is being very narrow, perhaps. Not everybody, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. making some generalizations. Yeah. But that ability to see how big and broad and deep and impactful their denomination is. Because the other thing that we have been growing at EYE is making sure that we tend to teaching what the Episcopal Church's missional footprint is in the world and how they can participate in that, how they can be part of the Jesus movement, how they can be witnesses and disciples in the world, and also to help them understand that that doesn't always mean being a deacon or a priest when they grow up. It may mean that, and they may get that inkling at an EYE, but we also want to make sure that EYE isn't a stop, drop EYE, and then go home and forget about it or go home and think, oh, the only way that I'll ever worship again is with that amazing music and energy, because that's not a reality of yeah. every place and space that they're going to go home to. Yeah. So we want EYE to be a place of connection where when their imagination 
is such that they want to be able to accomplish something in the world that they know someone or have been taught how to do that or know someone to help them do that once they get home. Um, I know, you know, when we had our conversation last year, one of the um, goals or, or offerings that EYE wants to do and, and cultivate is, is inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the denomination is not so much struggling as much as they are trying to figure out, well, how do we do this? So I'm, I want to hear. Or what does healthy, I would say, what does healthy inclusion look like? Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, what is EYE doing? And even on a denom- denominational church level, what are we doing to, to bring that to the table? So there are a lot of resolutions that mm-hmm. come through at General Convention that address the need for and inten- need for intentionality about full inclusion. And, and the first step of that is to notice um, who's not here mm-hmm. and why. And so how do we make intentional invitations and how do we hold space for people that are not here. So we're on a podcast, so in case it's not already obvious, I am a privileged, affluent white female. I am probably the most average Episcopal church communicant in good standing that there is, right? And so it is. I need to exercise that privilege and the privilege of being the lead discerner, the inviter and the discerner of who is going to design this event. It can't be all people like me. So both with the adults who are invited to apply to serve on the planning team as well as the young people, our discernment is really difficult and broad. And now and then when we make that initial invitation for applications, we sometimes have to dig deeper than the first pass of applications that come in, which is interesting because those um, who um, hold tight to entitlement about access within the church are often at odds with me about not following the rules and what is fair. And, you know, I would put quotation marks around fair Mm -hmm. as working with young people. Life is not fair. And it has often been less fair to people who are marginalized for whatever reason. So we have a very high level of commitment about being intentional in inviting every stripe of Episcopalian that we can identify. We work with the ethnic missioners in the ethnic ministries offices to make sure that their constituents have access and are encouraged and invited to apply so that they can be considered for discernment. Um, With young people, we are now learning how to um, work with gender and to respect the dignity of every human being in order to respect gender identity. Uh, The one thing as a youth minister dealing with other people's children that I don't ask and inquire about is what their sexual orientation is. Many volunteer that information for us, but EYE is not an event where engaging in sexual behavior Mm -hmm. is permitted for anyone. And so, again, we have to balance things in different ways, but still be sensitive to populations in the Episcopal Church, all of whom should be at the table, and that young people need to and deserve to see leaders like them, both in the young people that are on the team as well as the adults. And we really do strive to do that. We get pretty darn close to thorough inclusion. I can't claim 100%, but I will claim 97 That's a good number. <laughs> And the other piece about it, too, is that diversity also means theological perspective. Mm -hmm. It means small church, big church, employed clergy, locally ordained, informed clergy, 
Uh, it means rural, suburban, uh, urban. Yeah. Just all their socioeconomic um, capacity. It's, it is that we really try to make sure that we are tending to every possible Episcopal ministry context and human as we can. I'm glad that you mentioned that last part because I think sometimes when it comes to diversity, um, especially I think in the in the United States, I think it tends to be very focused and narrowed on uh, on race, um, ethnicity, and then then sometimes we'll throw in class. Right. Uh, and it tends not to go to thought. Yes. Or go to where you grew like where you grew up because because uh, yes, I I may have grown up in Snellville, Georgia, which is. 30 minutes outside of Atlanta that's different than Matt uh, who grew up in St. Augustine uh, St. Augustine Florida we have we have had different experiences that is more than just the color of our skin um, or like even our, our parent situation was different and so that doesn't mean that we are that doesn't mean that we are less than or or more than greater than uh, it just means that we're different and so part of that is that we have to all come to the table and, and say and acknowledge like hey like here's how i'm different and that's cool here's how we all sort of we follow the same christ <laughs> and that's really cool right, too right well the thing that i love about the episcopal church and that keeps me faithful to this denomination this faith tradition um i love the notion of people of common prayer yeah uh i love that all three orders have their part both during our liturgy and in our our governance and our self-governance. Um, I love that notion of equality. It isn't always exercised as fully as it could be, but it is absolutely a value. Uh, I also love that in our baptismal covenant with our pledge to respect the dignity of every human being, that that's, that is the jumping off point of engaging in civil discourse of finding ways to respectfully disagree when that's where we need to be, but knowing that we can still pray together and pray for one another. Yep. And we try to model that at EYE as well. Where in EYE do you see that? Um, I mean, is there, you're, you're obviously getting a, a lot of people from, like we've said, different provinces, different dioceses, different churches. I mean, you can have two Episcopal churches on the same street and they can be completely different. Um, so do you often deal with, I don't want to say conflict, but that's the closest word that's coming to my mind. Fortunately, at EYE, we typically don't experience a lot of conflict because we don't turn really hard yeah. one direction or another. We, we remain with that value of common prayer. Um, and we pay attention to the general convention's program of policy that the Episcopal Church adopts, policy and practice, and we honor that. So an example that I will give you is, for instance, during public worship in the Episcopal Church, there is um, a Bible um, interpretation called The Message mm -hmm. that Robinson um, created, and um, did I get that name wrong? Peterson, excuse me, I always do that, that is not authorized text for Episcopal worship. So at EYE 2011, when uh, the Right Reverend Catherine Jefford Shorey was our presiding bishop, and the young people wanted to use the message Bible passage during worship, I knew that that would be potentially problematic for some of our churches that expect the denomination to comply with our canonical and policy decisions. And what Bishop Catherine said was, 
you, I will grant permission for you to use that passage as long as you exercise two other versions, both of which are approved. So we heard and read the gospel in three different ways oh, that's cool. that day. We did it in Spanish with the approved Spanish text. We used NRSV at the time because Common English wasn't available yet and we used the message. So she allowed us to do that via media thing that I love that Episcopalians do yeah. is both and. And what we try to do is make space for respectful disagreement. And one of the things that I do that I just treasure learning this as in this job is working at General Convention Official Youth Presence when we are literally training young people about engaging in the legislative process and engaging in the debate, especially in the parliamentary style debate, is they are not permitted to go to a hearing, go in, sign up, speak, say their piece and leave. They must be committed to sitting and listening so that they hear the full expression of the argument because we hope and believe that transformation will take place. And that is specifically the formula for formation, that through teaching and receiving information in intentional ways partnered with prayer and worship, it opens one's heart and one's mind to potential and epiphany of a new understanding of something that could result in change behavior. And even though I may be really deep and, and firm in my own convictions, if I openly embrace that process, my mind and my heart might be changed too. And that's my greatest hope for anybody participating in any of our events. So you have a very unique perspective as far as, you know, top down Oh, I also, thought you were like doing like a touchdown I'm thing doing the right there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're going to sing now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, and this will kind of be what we'll wrap up on. Mm -hmm. what, what advice would you have for a person working with youth and young people in a church? Um, what should they either be on the lookout for? What should they be focusing on? Just I think you're broadening the question. As he you is. Go. That's okay, though. <laughs> I, I just came from a session where I got to hear all kinds of work about that, and you asked for my advice. I just want to be clear that <laughs> yeah. I heard that correctly so that I can respond. Um, my, my advice primarily is, A, be yourself. Mm. Be your authentic self. Please do not try and characterize or represent yourself to young people as someone who you aren't by saying one thing and doing another. That's, that's deadly to a person's um, trust and faith. And the other piece is, is please recognize that every young person who is in front of you is an intelligent human being with a deep and abiding capacity for love, respect, and action. And if we remember that and we don't patronize or dumb down whatever it is that we are sharing or asking of those young people, they will respond. So I encourage people to keep the bar high and to provide as much equipping and supporting as you can in appropriate ways. Cool. I think that's all the time we have uh, for this episode. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for the opportunity yeah. to <laughs> speak with you. I love chatting with both of you, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity yeah. to share some of what the Youth Ministries Office does with and for the Episcopal Church. Thank Would you, you Bronwyn. close us out in prayer? I will. Yeah. God be with you. Let us pray. Holy One, we thank you for the breath that you put in our lungs this day that enlivens us. And on this rainy day in Atlanta at Rudin and Jesus, we thank you for the reminder of life-giving water. Please help us to be always guided 
to be true to your truth, to love the way that Jesus loved, and to be transformed as we continue to walk on this human journey as spiritual beings in the path of your Son, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. 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 Many thanks to uh, Forma and the Rooted in Jesus Conference for giving us this room. If you like what you heard, subscribe, and we'll talk to you later.